0: chapel family it is good to be with you obviously in the room and also online we have a- a ton of people that we've been ministering to that are online and are not coming back due to, you know, pre, uh, preconditions or stuff like that. And so we want to be an encouragement to them. And if you've asked that question, I know that some people are being pressured to come back to church. If you don't feel comfortable being in an environment due to age or, or conditions that you've had prior to COVID, we encourage you to receive ministry at home. But if you could do us a favor and if you're online right now, let us know you are with us by leaving a comment in the comment section and hit that subscribe button and that like button on YouTube as well, and so it's, a, it's good to be part of a church family that's not self-centered. This past few weeks, we've had some amazing opportunities to really reach out and make an impact in our community. We had our adopt-a-block and adopt-a-kid. And I just want to say thank you from Toy and myself to all you people that, that got gifts, adopted a kid, that helped package gifts, helped sort gifts, helped take gifts. It really is making an impact. We're trying to gain influence in West Florence so the gospel can move forward. And it was just an incredible day of seeing God move through you. And then the, the impact offering, I think we've collected almost $7,000 that we're going to use to bless foster families and single moms and some widows in our church. And so that's all due to your faithfulness. So give yourselves a big round of applause real quick. So it is, it is incredible. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And one thing I'm going to try to push next year is paper Bibles. I think we're in a season that, that people need to see you with a Bible in your hand. And I think we're in a, another season where maybe at some point they think the Bible is offensive and the Bible is a hate document or whatever. And they may shut down version, They may shut down some online Bibles. But if you have this paper Bible, the battery never runs dead. You never need an update. You never need to plug it back in. You never need someone to confirm it or, or give you the login. It's always right there in front of you. So, we start a new series called Behold the Light's Day. And so, behold is a very powerful word in Scripture. It's used, especially in the King James Version, many, many, many times. It's used over 1,298 times in the King James Version of the Bible. And behold means this to see or observe, to take in, to pay attention to, or to notice. Another definition is to fix the eyes upon or to see with attention, meaning, focusing in on something. And so when the Bible says, behold, it's literally God saying, I want you to pay attention to this. I want you to see this. I want you to focus in on this. It's almost like when the teacher in high school or college would say, hey, pay attention. This may be on the test. It meant this is going to be on the test. Write it down. In the Bible, when it says, behold, it's God saying, literally, this is pivotal information for you and for I. Pay attention to it. And I think the fact that it's used almost 1,300 times, we could literally say God is trying to get our attention. God is wanting our attention. He's wanting us to fix our eyes upon him and who he is. And and kind of the story of the Bible is from the beginning to the end, God is sending messengers to the people of God, trying to get them to behold him. They share a message. He sends messengers. He sends angels trying to get people's attention, to pay attention to who God is to them. He sent prophets to stand and say, behold, to try to get people to pay attention. And it kept on going. But finally, the story of Christmas is God sends his son, to say, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Son of God. God is a God who wants our attention. And we live in a world where our attention spans are decreasing and decreasing and decreasing. But the story of behold is to pay attention to what God is speaking. I don't know about your house. Maybe this is true for you. Maybe it's not been our house. And say I'm asking R.J. to take the trash out. I'll say, R.J., can you please take the trash out? And for some reason, he doesn't hear me. I guess you're hearing you lose it earlier these days than not your 70s, 80s, more like 12 or 13. And so, hey, can you please take the trash out? He doesn't do it. Five minutes later, hey, R.J., can you take the trash out? Nothing, crickets. Hey, R.J., can you take the trash out? And he'll say, oh, I'll get to it later on. Hours later, R.J., take the trash out. Why are you yelling at me? Well, I asked you 15 times before to take it out quietly. And so what was happening, I had to yell to get his attention. And God is a God who whispers. God is a God who speaks. But God is also a God that many times in Scripture breaks through heaven into earth to shout, pay attention. And Christmas is God breaking into humanity. To say, listen, you have not paid attention to messengers, you have not paid attention to angels, you have not paid attention to prophets. So I'm gonna send my son. He's gonna break through, he says, Hey, pay attention. I love you, I want you, I want to restore you, I want to redeem you, I want you with me. That is the story of Christmas, is God trying to get our attention. So behold, means that something is so important or so unusual that you should stop whatever else you are doing and begin to look at it. And here's what I want to say to you. Christmas, this Christmas, stop whatever you're doing and begin to behold the whole meaning and purpose and message of Christmas. Jesus. Jesus. Pay attention to him. Pay attention to his love. Pay attention to his mercy. Pay attention to his grace. Pay attention to his message. Pay attention to his gospel. And as you do, it will transform you. For you will become what you behold. If you would stand to your feet as we read 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. It says this, But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. And now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, There is freedom. And we all, with unveiled—you could translate in the uh, COVID twenty, COVID nineteen version—unmasked face, beholding the glory. Everybody say beholding. beholding, paying attention to, focusing, staring at, fixing your eyes upon His glory—are being transformed into the exact same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord. Who is spirit? Father, we thank you that we can celebrate Christmas with full hope and expectation that the story of Christmas is not over. That as we began to behold Jesus in the manger, we beheld him at the cross. We beheld him at the resurrection. We behold him today. But Father, we look forward to when we can behold him coming again to restore all the earth and all the creation back to the way you created it. Father, bless us this morning. Help us to pay attention to what you're speaking, what you're saying, and what you're doing. And give us eyes that can be affixed upon Jesus. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. So the scripture is a very interesting scripture because it's it's referring back to something. So he's saying, "We, we need to behold the glory of the Lord, or behold the glory of Jesus with unveiled or unmasked face, meaning pay really close attention with no distractions between you and him. And it's a story that Paul is referencing in Exodus chapter 34. Moses was literally going to the mountaintop of the Lord, spending time with God. And he was beholding the presence of the Lord so much that he began to resemble God, that God was a light that he could not see. But as he left the mountain, he left with his face radiant, His face shining with the glory of the Lord. And he put a veil over it so the other people wouldn't be blinded by this glory of God. And now Paul is referencing here saying now we all are like Moses. We can now all go face to face with God. We can all behold his glory. Now it's not just for one person. Now the glory of God is for every single person. He says you don't have to cover your face. You don't have to put a mask on your face that you can go directly to God with unveiled face and pay attention to the glory of God. Meaning this, this is the point I want you to take. If you want to give God a gift this Christmas, if you want to give him a gift, like the little drummer boy, maybe you don't have anything. Maybe you want to play the drums. If you want to give God a gift, he doesn't need cookies. He doesn't need an iPhone 12 Pro Max. He doesn't need the new electronic skateboard that your kid's going to break his leg on. He doesn't need the new Xbox or PS5. This is what God wants. He simply wants your attention. That's all he wants. He simply wants your attention. Because he knows your life is affected by what you pay attention to. Your life is impacted by what you pay attention to. Or you can say, your life is impacted by what you choose to behold. Or your life is transformed by what you choose to pay attention to in your life. And Christmas is the season that God literally uses to try to get the whole world to pay attention to Jesus. Like, that's the point of Christmas. Like, I remember years ago, Christmas Day happened to be on a Sunday. And many churches were shutting down for Christmas Day. And we chose to stay open because where else should you spend Christmas, the celebration of the birth of our Savior, than in church? And there's people said, I can't believe you're having church on Christmas Day. Like Christmas is about family. Christmas is about gifts. No. See, we put so many other veils between us and Christmas that now we can't see the glory of the Lord because we're looking through family traditions, church traditions, gifts, Black Friday. The greatest thing about COVID-19, no Black Friday. Like all these veils are masked in between us and literally Christmas is God's crying out, pay attention, pay attention. Behold my son, look at him. Look at him as a baby in a manger. Look at his innocence. Look at his beauty. Look at his glory. His innocence he maintained from birth all the way through death. Look at him. Pay attention to purity. Pay attention to mercy in flesh. Pay attention to grace in human form. He's like, please, if you don't pay attention to an angel, if you won't pay attention to messengers, if you don't pay attention to prophets, maybe, maybe you'll pay attention to a baby. I don't know about you, but have you ever seen a new mom and dad? Like, they don't take their eyes off of their baby. But once you have a couple more kids, you start like, whatever happens, happens. Like, we have plenty, we got backups of these things. Like, let them do... But when the first baby's born, like the mom and dad, they behold the baby. They fix their attention on the baby. They don't sleep well at night because they're still beholding Their baby. They don't go too far away from their baby because they're beholding their baby. And God, I think, in His grand scheme says, if you won't behold all these other things, I know you'll behold a baby. And get it the whole world celebrates Christmas. Atheists celebrate Christmas. Muslims celebrate Christmas. Everybody celebrates Christmas. Why? They're beholding a baby. And so it's not just about beholding Him at Christmas. Can you behold Him every day? See, I think many times in the religious world, we, we are always trying to get God's attention. We're going through problems. We want God's attention on our problems. We're, we're going through situations in our marriage. We're trying to get God's attention in our marriage. Going something with our kids. We're trying to get God's attention. But religion is literally when you're trying to get God's attention. Religion is you're trying to do something to get God to pay attention to you. But grace is when God tries to get our attention. Grace is when God tries to get our attention. It's when God moves first. God sends Jesus first saying, pay attention. It's when God sends Jesus to the cross saying, pay attention. It's when God resurrects Jesus from the grace and says, pay attention. And we are a church that is a grace-oriented church, meaning God moves first, but what is our response? Will we pay attention, will we behold him, or will we fill our world with distractions and lose sight? of the one we're called to behold. And so point number one for you today is this. In this scripture, God is not trying to social distance. God is not trying to social distance. God longs to meet with us face-to-face. Second Corinthians 3, that's what he said. He said, God is not trying to sit on the mountaintop. God wants to meet with you face-to-face, unveiled. I Meaning he wants to be with you. You, the story of Christmas is that God was not satisfied with a message from a messenger. There's plenty of messages Moses, messages, Jonah, messages, David, messages. There's all types of messages. Messengers, Elijah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, messengers. There's angels, Michael and Gabriel. There's angels. God's not satisfied with sending a message. He's not satisfied with a Zoom meeting. He's not satisfied with a phone call. He's not satisfied with virtual classrooms. He wants to be with you face to face. That is the story of Christmas. We're the only believers in the world that serve a God that doesn't say, come to me, come to me, come to me, come to me. We have a God that says, literally, I'm coming to you. I've studied Islam. Islam's all about trying to get Allah's attention, trying to get to Allah. Buddhism's all about trying to get yourself in a state in which you can have nirvana. It's all about you trying to work it up. But Christianity, we serve a king. He says, I got this. If you can't make it to me, I'll come to you. He doesn't want social... He wants us to move closer and closer and closer to him. Exodus thirty-three eleven says this. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When was the last time you met with God face to face? When was the last time you spoke to God as a friend? You know, I can usually tell when somebody prays for their food if they've either met with God face to face or it's just going through the motions. So my question would be, this Christmas, when was the last time you beheld Jesus? When was the last time you met with him face to face? Because the scripture says we don't need a mask. with unveiled. See, God is not wearing a mask when you meet with him because he wants you to recognize who he is. He, he's not covering himself up because he's afraid of you to look upon him. See, God wants you to know him and know him intimately. He wants you to know the details of his face. He wants you to know the details of his character. And in his past, I think Monday night, RJ had a basketball game and I'm sitting at the the game. There's social distancing at the game. And I'm sitting there and somebody asked me, you know, who are you here with? And so I just, I look back. I didn't really recognize him because I had a mask on. And then he goes and walks the other side. So I thought I offended him. Little I know it was one of the barbers at the barbershop, and I was there Thursday or Friday. I said, man, I didn't recognize you with your mask on. Like, we live in a day and age where you can't recognize anybody anymore because they're always half their faces covered. It's like when I first grew my beard out, and I shaved it one day, so I said, don't ever shave your beard off again. I was like, why? She's like, you just look so much better with a beard. Well, now I'm like, well, you look so much better with a mask on. Like, that's what she was telling me. I was offended. And we live in a day and age where everyone has a mask on. And it's like we're living in Iran and you can't recognize anybody. Listen, God takes the mask off. Because he's not concerned about anything you bring to him. He can handle it. But he also expects for you to take the mask off. He expects for you to come with unveiled face. Meaning you have to take off your mask of religion your your mask of being fake, your mask of putting on your best effort, your mask of all these things. He can handle, he can handle you meeting with him and sharing your deepest, darkest pains. He can handle you sharing your greatest temptations. He can handle you sharing your deepest sins. He can handle you sharing whatever it is. That's why it's no mask. It's face to face. He can handle it. And not only can he handle it, he wants it. He wants to see you. Because of this. He knows as you meet with him face to face, you become what you behold. You become what you behold. Because this is what it says. It says, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image. Meaning as I behold him, I become like him. As I fix my eyes upon him, I begin to look like him. As I give my attention to him, I begin to represent him or reflect his image to the world around us. So the beholding of this baby Jesus is not just to celebrate Christmas. As I behold him, God knows it solves my problems. He knows as I pay attention to Jesus, it begins to fix everything about me. I don't do it through working up my my efforts or my religion. I do it by beholding him as I look upon him. It changes me to look more like the baby that was in a manger. And we do this as adults. If you've had teenagers or you have teenagers, you tell them, watch who you're hanging out with. If you're hanging out with the wrong crowd, you're going to start acting like the wrong crowd. We could say it this way, that be careful what group you're hanging with or paying attention to, because if you pay too much attention to them, you'll start to live like them. Be careful who you behold, because if you behold pop celebrities, if you behold uh, all these rap artists, if you behold these sports stars, if you behold these kids, you'll start to look like, live like, and act like those kids. Because the principle is, whoever you behold, you will begin to look like. If you behold Jesus, you'll look like Jesus. If you behold Cardi B, mm. it's a principle. We teach our kids, but it's amazing how as adults, we don't live by the same advice we give out to people who are younger than us. We're so quick to tell teachers, well, if you lay with dogs, you're going to get fleas. But then you're laying around with people that have multiple marriages and multiple this, and your marriage is starting to look like their marriage. Or you start beholding all these things on TV, and now you're running up debt trying to look like the things you see on TV. Or you're looking at the Kardashians and trying to keep up with the Kardashians instead of trying to keep up with Jesus. And so whatever you pay the most attention to will determine what you look like. In Genesis chapter 30, it says it this way. This is Jacob. Jacob's earned the love of his wife, and then his father-in-law manipulated him, and now he's about to get him back. And it says this, Then Jacob took fresh sticks of poplar and almond and plane trees and peeled white streaks or white stripes in them, exposing the white of the sticks. And he set the sticks that he'd peeled in front of the flocks in the troughs, that is the watering places where the flocks came to drink. And since they bred when they came in to drink, the flocks bred in front of the sticks. And so the flocks brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs and set the faces of the flocks towards the striped and all the black in the flock of Laban. He put his own droves apart and did not put them with Laban's flock. Whenever the stronger of the flock were breeding, Jacob would lay the sticks in the troughs before the eyes of the flock. Everybody say before their eyes. Before their eyes, they were beholding the sticks in front of them, that they might breed among the sticks. But for the feebler of the flock, he would not lay them there. So the feebler would be Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the man increased greatly and had large flocks, female servants and male servants, and camels and donkeys. So what is happening is Jacob learned this principle, that whatever you behold, you will become like. So as he's wanting to increase his flock with the stronger of the sheep, he would take the stronger sheep, he would lay striped sticks or speckled sticks in front of him. them so as they ate, as they drank, they would pay attention to these sticks. And as they bred, they would reproduce what they saw. Principle, you don't reproduce what you say to your kids, you reproduce what your kids see in you. Leaders, pastors, you don't reproduce what you say you want. You reproduce who you are. What you behold is not just about you. It's about the next generation because you are reprodu- reproducing what you behold. What one generation does in moderation, the next generation does in excess. Meaning if you behold something, you may be able to handle it, but the generation behind you can not. Jacob lays them out in front of them, and as they begin to breed, his flock becomes stronger because he gets the speckled and striped, what many people would say is the worst of the worst. He has, but he knows it's not a deformation, it's a reproduction of what he was actually wanting from them. So the question is this, the principle is true, 2 Corinthians 3, that as you behold the glory of the Lord, you are transformed in the same image. If you behold the baby in the manger, you're transformed into the baby in the manger. If you behold the powerful Jesus, you become the powerful Jesus. Whatever you pay the most attention to is what or who you are becoming. So the question is this, what is laying in front of you? Just like with Jacob, Jacob is laying things out in front of their eyes. If you don't lay Jesus, his gospel, his message, his word, his beauty, his grace, his holiness, if that's not what you're beholding, I promise you, I promise you, the enemy, just like Jacob, will start placing things in front of you. That you'd be like, wow, man, it just, I didn't have to go look for it. It was just right there. It's like it's God's will or the enemy's will. It's right there in front of you, and it's so easy. You're beholding it as you live your life, and now that's what you're seeing manifest in your life. It's a principle. It's a principle. And and right now, we can't radiate the glory of God because our screens are so busy radiating the glow of screens. Like, I think right now, if, if we had to keep it real, that most of us spend more time beholding things on media or beholding things in the news or beholding things uh, in, in, in politics than we do the whole reason of Christmas. Many of us at Christmas time, we behold everything but Jesus. And so, just like if I behold all of Netflix, my life will begin to reflect Netflix. Our kids like TikTok. I think TikTok is a Chinese manipulation mind technique to make us dumber as human beings i've watched my kids do more dumb dances it's like a broke version of soul train on tiktok (laughs) and so they watch all these tiktokers well so-and-so did this dance they have hundreds of millions of views so what do they do They try to make the same video. Why? They're reproducing what they're paying attention to. In the same way, when I was growing up, hip-hop, rap music, gangster rap was the big thing. I was in it. As I listened to it, I began to reflect the image of what I was beholding and paying attention to. You can watch whatever music somebody listens to, they end up looking or dressing just like it. I promise you, you don't see a cowboy listening to Cardi B. They're listening to George Strait. Why? Whatever they pay attention to, they begin to reflect the image of. In the same way, when you behold the beauty of Jesus, you begin to reflect the beauty of Jesus. When you behold the love of a God so deep and immeasurable, your love will begin to reflect the love that can love its enemies. As you begin to behold the holiness of Jesus, an unblemished lamb that was slain for you and I, you begin to live a life that looks more holy. As you behold him, you become more like him. But the problem with us is the number one enemy, the number one enemy of beholding Jesus is distraction. It's distraction. Even even when Jesus was first born, there some people that came and beheld him and others that didn't. Even when Jesus was walking on earth, there's some that, I'll follow you, but you know, I need to take care of this business first and i got some property I need to sell. There's all these other distractions. The Jews couldn't see Jesus because there's so many other distractions with this law and this thing and this thing. They missed beholding the whole purpose. The whole plan of God was unfolding and they couldn't see it because it was the day they couldn't see Jesus because they were looking at their screens. They couldn't see that God came in the flesh because they're so busy checking their feet. I guess we'll we'll miss important moments in our kids' lives because we're trying to share the last moment we miss the next moment. We're so busy checking email, trying to catch up with all our friends and all our family, going on Instagram, trying to post this or Snapchat and check this, that we're so busy that Jesus has came and we miss him because we can't pay attention to more than one thing at a time. It's impossible to focus on two things at one time. So God says, I'm giving you a choice. You can behold the light or you can behold the distractions. And most of us choose the distractions. Here's a couple stats for R.J. the other day, he got a new basketball for his birthday, so I've been trying to make him work. So we dug this three-foot deep hole by two-foot wide and came down to put the goal up. It says it called for three grown men to put this basketball goal up. Well, have me and have R.J. So like at one and a quarter, I would say. And so we actually had to get Ariah to come help us. I won't call her a man. Uh, Had to get Ariah to help us, so we're trying to work on it. I right, was trying to get it put up, and he is like spazzing out. I'm like, dude, pay attention! The thing weighs like three hundred pounds. Like, if we drop it, it's broken. Pay attention! And he's like looking over here. He's not paying. Attention. He's not listening. He's not doing this. I was like, dude, you need to pay attention. He says, I can't help it. I've got HIV. I was like, what? You got? Do you mean ADHD? He's like, yeah, I think that's it. I'm like, oh. So later on that same day, we're going to PetSmart to get food for his his lizard, not my lizard, his bearded dragon. I'm like, hey, buddy, go back and get the mealworms, crickets. I'm going to go over and get stuff for my favorite son, my dog Sambo. I'm going to take care of him. You take care of your little lousy son, the lizard. 30 minutes later, RJ, do you get the food for the—oh, no, like, I was looking at this. I'm looking at that. I said, this is not HIV. This is ADHD. And we normally have spiritual ADHD. We are addicted to distractions. We want distractions from our pain. We want distractions from our normalcy. We want distractions from our responsibilities. We are addicted to distractions. Here's just a couple of quick stats The average American now spends 60 hours on screens per week. 60. The average smartphone user will tap, swipe, or click their smartphones 2,600 times a day. The top 10%, 5,400 times a day. They're swiping. You know what's crazy? How many times do you think God could be moving around them or God be speaking to them and they miss it because they're so busy swiping 5,400 times a day? One in three mobile owners would rather give up sex than their phones. We are on screen for longer than we sleep on average. More people died by taking selfies in 2015 than by shark attacks. Goodbye shark week, hello selfie week. When people, when people use their phones, they showed reduced activity in their cingulate cortex meaning a broad range of cognitive processes began to decrease as they began to use screens layman's terms the more screens we use the dumber we get multitasking we think I'm multitasking. I'm on, the, I'm on here, I'm sending this email, I'm doing this. Multitasking. Multitasking seems like a great idea, but research shows it reduces productivity by 40%. Meaning, we think I, I can go to church, I could walk, I can have my phone out, I can do this, and what's happening is you're not beholding anything, you're just addicted to distractions. And at Christmas, it's God saying, literally, pay a tension. And I'm telling you, in the world we're living in, the distractions are increasing for a reason. It is a technique of the enemy to help us miss Jesus. It's no coincidence that as the closer we get to the end times, the distractions increase. If he can't make you turn away and not follow Jesus, he'll just distract you. And so this Christmas, the greatest gift the greatest gift we can give God is simply pay attention to Jesus. The wise men. I don't know if there were wise men before, or they called them wise men because they came and beheld the Son of God. Just to pay attention. This Christmas, maybe it's time to remove some of the distractions out of your Christmas season. Maybe you're like the person I was talking about earlier that Christmas is about family. You have so much family stuff planned, so many gifts to wrap, so many things that there's no time for Jesus. So maybe this Christmas, maybe you power down the phone and put it away so you can actually take in the reason for the season. Maybe this Christmas you simplify your traditions. We're not running all over the state of Alabama and Tennessee and the South to try to make sure you fit in all other traditions. Maybe you slow down just enough. Simplify your traditions just enough that Jesus is still the center. Like one of the simple things we do every, every Christmas day, before we open any gifts, we open up the Bible, we read the Christmas story. Why? We want to behold the reason we're sharing gifts. Maybe this Christmas, you need to make time to prayerfully think about God's love and His glory. Meaning contemplation, meditation, prayer. Prayers when I meditate on the goodness of God. And I begin to thank Him and meditate and contemplate. Man, God sent His Son. He didn't send a story. He didn't send a message. He sent His Son to show me how much He loved me. He sent His Son to live a perfect life, untainted by sin, yet tempted in every single way, never once stumbled or failed, to die upon a cross. Why? To close the social distance so I could look at God face to face, ponder on His providence that God has this ability To see the beginning from the end and everything in the middle. And he works all these things together to the good for me because I love him. And God is so rich in mercy that even when I stumble and fall, he still wants me. God is so gracious that he moved towards me when I despised him. And God is so righteous. And just thinking and meditating on this baby who came in humility, came through rejection was actually God in the flesh. Maybe this Christmas you need to take time to actually just worship Jesus. To tell Him how much you love Him. To tell Him how good He is. To tell Him how amazing it is. To tell Him how thankful you are for His salvation, for His power, for His deliverance. Maybe this Christmas you make time as a family just to worship Him. Maybe for you it's the Christmas Eve service where we just do it just to take time in the whole busy just to worship him to declare his glory to him or maybe this Christmas it's time you display his glory you take time just to slow down and display the love of God to everybody else we can get so quick to need gifts and you know our kids and asking what they want for Christmas maybe it's not about what you want maybe it's about what God wants that maybe God wants you to take what you have and share share the story that we sang about earlier Maybe it's to just share a gratitude with somebody else. Maybe it's to go out of your way and show love, or maybe give a gift like the West Florence outreach we just did. Maybe God doesn't want you just to receive His love. Maybe He wants you to obey Him and give His love. Because as the babies in the manger, as we behold Him, we become more like Him. And if there's anything we need in this world right now, we need less Christians. We need less talk, and we need more people who just simply live and love like Jesus. Simply that. If you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. The whole whole plan of Christmas was just to take time to behold the Savior of the world greatest gift you can give back to God is just to simply pay attention to Him. As you pay attention to Him, give your heart to Him. Give your life to Him. Give your dreams to Him. Give your pain to Him. As you pay attention to Him, you can cast your anxieties upon Him and He'll give you everything that's in Jesus. Just maybe this year has been a year of distraction for you. Maybe this year has been a year that you've been so focus on everything and everyone else that you haven't really paid attention to Jesus. Maybe is the day, maybe for the first time or maybe for the first time in a long time you said, you know what, I just want to stop looking at everything else around me. And I want to just fix my eyes upon Jesus and not just give Him my attention but give Him my heart. I give Him my life. And as I behold him, I want him to transform me to begin to live in love like him. I want to walk in his peace. I want to walk in his love. I want to walk in his grace. I want to walk in his power. I want to walk in his holiness. I want to walk in his forgiveness. And I know that begins by simply saying yes to Jesus. Giving my life to him, letting his blood wash me, renew me, and create me new again. If that's you. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I'm not going to have you come up front. This between you and God, this is the one private moment of the day. I just want you to slip your hand up so I can just pray with you in this moment. If that's you, so, you know, today's the day I want, to, I want to start afresh and give my attention to God. If that's you, just slip your hand up. Thank you. Anybody else? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that you are a God that seeks to gain our attention. And Father, for those that raise their hand, I just pray right now in this moment as they fix their eyes upon you. They let go of everything that is of them and grab a hold of everything that is of you. I pray that you wash them, you regenerate them, you let them walk in a new birth as a new creation in Christ. To live like you, to love like you, and to obey you as their king. Yes, That's why we bless you in this place, Father. For the rest of us, help us to fix our eyes upon Jesus in their season, to remove all the other distractions, and to simply place our eyes on Jesus. Father, we thank you, and we bless you, our King, our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Healer. We love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name.